we feel like it's our role to be strong. It's our duty to have all the answers. And I, I just don't see leadership that way. But I think leaders are those who marshal the resources, the gifts of all of those around them and say, hey, can you help with this? Can you help with that? I think that's really um, the strength of the leader is not to say, I've got it all. I've got it all figured out. Helping nonprofit marketers, fundraisers, and leaders like you grow their revenue and impact so they can do more good in the world. This is the Build Good Podcast. Now here's your host, Mike Dirksen. Well, hello, and thank you for joining me on the Build Good Podcast. This is the show for people like you who work hard to build a better world for all of us. You know, one thing that this coronavirus crisis has made clear to me is the importance of good leadership, specifically the importance of leaders who communicate openly and honestly and with enough vulnerability to admit what they don't know. Now, we sometimes think of leadership as, as only being important at the board and the CEO level, but if you're listening to the show and you work in the nonprofit and social impact sector, chances are people are relying on you. They're relying on you to be a good teammate, a good friend, a good boss, a good fundraiser. Maybe your kids are relying on you to lead them through this time. But the truth is, we're all looking at each other right now, and we all have a responsibility to lead. So today on the show, I'm talking to Jamie McIntosh, the Executive Director of Partner Relations at Compassion Canada, an international development NGO that helps children living in poverty across the world. Jamie has worked for and held senior leadership positions in organizations like World Vision, International Justice Mission, and Mercy Ships. And his work has taken him all over the world. He's experienced what it's like for organizations and leaders to endure an extended crisis. So on today's show, Jamie is going to share with us three principles that can help all of us lead in a time of uncertainty, including why being present is more important than having it all figured out, how admitting our own fears as leaders might just be the most fearless thing we can do right now, and how finding just a little bit of perspective can make the difference between making it as a leader or breaking down. Now, one of the things that I appreciate most about Jamie is his hopeful and redemptive perspective on life, and I think you'll be encouraged listening to this interview. So here's my conversation with Jamie McIntosh. Jamie, I know Compassion, as well as other international NGOs, are all busy making contingency plans right now and, and putting crisis procedures into place. So thank you for answering the call and hanging out with us today. The reason I reached out to you, Jamie, is because you've worked in senior leadership positions in international NGOs for, for years. You've worked with World Vision, with International Justice Mission, with Mercy Ships, and now you're at Compassion. And your work uh, has taken you the world over, and in, including disaster relief in, in war zones and situations where everything was uncertain and changing by the minute, um, not unlike what we're living through right now. So I know that you've been part of organizations organizations who have been working in in crises before and so today I just wanted to talk about what it takes to lead in a time of crisis. Specifically, if you're a leader, uh, we want to talk about what your staff and what your team needs from you right now. And so just by way of, of introduction, Jamie, and then to frame our conversation a bit, can you tell us of a really stressful situation you've been in where you realized, um, you know, there's people who depend on me and on my reaction? 
Yeah, Mike, I guess uh, a number of situations come to mind. Um, one that kind of stands out for me in particular is uh, I remember when I was in, it was mid-2017, I was in uh, South Africa and uh, started to pick up signals that um, a hunger crisis that was in East Africa was worsening by the day. Um, and in particular, it was um, significantly impacting Somalia. Uh, and through some of my uh, work at the time uh, with World Vision, I realized that it was only six years earlier that in a city called Baidoa, um, 260,000 people perished from um, from a hunger crisis then. And it was um, things were starting to get um, pretty dire uh, again. Uh, so I, it wasn't on my radar. I was supposed to be coming back to Canada, but uh, I just felt the urgency to, um, to navigate my way to uh, Somalia to try and understand were things as bad as they seemed? And if so, how could we um, sort of marshal some Canadian, if not global attention to uh, the crisis? Um, I found myself in, uh, in Baidoa, um, and indeed things were, things were dire. Um, there were, I visited a cholera treatment center. I met with families who had um, crossed militant lines in the dead of night, trying to forge for um, food, for water, trying to find a safe place in uh, the city where maybe they would find provisions to last through the hunger crisis. Um, and that was a situation that I realized, um, you know, if, if we weren't successful in capturing the attention of some international media outlets um, or Canadian media outlets, um, you know, it could be too late for many people. Thankfully, uh, the international community uh, together were able to um, actually avert uh, this hunger crisis from turning into a full-blown famine, which it had done uh, just six years earlier. Wow. Be before we go any further, I, I, I want to make sure that our audience knows that when we talk about being a, a leader, when we talk about leadership, we're not just talking about the CEO. Everyone has influence in an organization, especially if they have a team or even if they have one staff working with you or, or you have, you know, staff that, that you're working alongside with. Um, and you have a responsibility to lead them well. Is that how you see it, Jamie? Absolutely. I think every single individual in an organization has a leadership responsibility. They're entrusted with uh, something that they have particular skill set, expertise, insight into. And if they are leveraging their resources well, if they are calling attention to challenges, issues, problems, if they're problem solving, um, they're all creating a path forward in the midst of it. You know, there's a there's a, a great uh, leadership book, Good to Great, and uh, in it, Jim Collins talks about getting the right people on the right seats in a bus. And I've always had a bit of trouble with that notion because on a bus, there's only one driver and therefore you have some you know 30 to 60 backseat drivers <laughs> i prefer the notion of of more like a, a ship or a battleship if you will um where you know there's there's different stations on a ship a battleship has you know yes people in the bridge the, the captain there but there's there's uh people who are 
um, fueling it up, people who are attending to the engines, people who are um, making sure that planes launch and land safely, um, you know, sort of the imagery of, of tail gunners or little Zodiacs being launched off the side of it. Um, now, that's sort of a militant metaphor, but the reality is um, as we're trying to accelerate um, resources, aid um, to individuals um, in need, it's incumbent upon each one of us to use that sphere of influence that we have to call attention to uh, what could be done, what needs to be done, and um, in that, I think each and every one of us is a leader. Well, let's get into this, and, and maybe I'll start by asking you this. We know that great leadership makes a difference. We hear that all the time. But why does being a good leader matter more than ever right now? Why is it especially important to, to take this seriously, our responsibility as leaders seriously during a time of crisis? Yeah, you know, I think, Mike, um, the first th first thing I'd kind of look at is, is this notion of good leadership or great leadership, because And sometimes we foist upon it this image of the heroic individual, um, the rugged individualist who goes out and, um, you know, slays the dragon or, um, you know, solves the problem. And I think the reality is, um, you know, that can prevent us when we have misgivings, when we have fears, when we are confused from thinking, well, I must not be a leader or not a very good one. Uh, and the way I look at it is, uh, actually, uh, the best leaders are those who have all of those challenges, all of those, uh, uh, all, all of that fallibility, all the uh, frailness, but still find a way to, to muster the resources to say, hey, together, we can do something that is going to make a difference. Uh, and so with that mindset, Uh, I think it is uh, an, an opportunity for us in this season uh, to say, okay, let's, let's name it. We're, we're, we're confused. We're afraid. We're mm -hmm. uncertain. We don't know. Is the sky falling? We, we know that the realities are pretty, uh, pretty horrific. The um, trend lines are scary with the pandemic. And, and uh, we know that people are dying day in and day out. And so a true leader needs to capture that reality. Um, needs to be able to uh, see it and then seize upon, okay, what do we do in the face of it? But I don't think that uh, a good leader needs to know from the onset of an emergency what the solutions are in the path all the way through is. I think kind of to steal a page from uh, the Marines, they have a mantra of improvise, adapt, overcome. So all of us find ourselves in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this uh, swirl of confusion. And in this moment, what can we do to improvise a solution when we don't have all the resources, we don't have all of the information? What can we do to adapt systems and structures that were designed for stable times uh, and re-engineer them to navigate through very turbulent waters? Uh, but confident that if we do this well, if we do this together, uh, we can overcome the obstacles in our way. And actually, maybe each of us in our own little cadres, our own little core, are assembled together for a time just like this one to be able to do what from our station uh, we have the ability to 
uh, engineer a solution, find a response, not for everything, but for that piece uh, that that concerns us. I love that because you're you're talking about being vulnerable. And uh, there's often this perception um, that maybe leaders have it, but 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 maybe any anybody anyone who is in a position where somebody's looking to you um, that we need to have it all figured out. And I think our staff knows that there's no playbook for a pandemic. I think our staff can see through that. That you know, most of us right now we're not exactly sure how this is all going to play out, and maybe we're not even exactly sure what to do right now. So, so there's a vulnerability in saying, you know what? Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. But here's the opportunity or or the challenge that both of us together are going to have to overcome. Yeah, I I, I think that you know the way that I look at it is is it sort of boils down to, to being uh, real and being present. Um, and there's a sense in which this is uh, our presence versus pretense um, or versus polish. You know, we, this isn't um, where you roll out your um, PowerPoint presentation and say, okay, this is the game plan. Here's what we're going to do to execute from A to Z and we need you in this area and you in this area to do X, Y, and Z. But instead, it's about saying, hey, we are in a situation that's changing moment by moment. We don't know the order of magnitude of what will impact us. We don't know what it's going to do to our donor base. We don't know um, what the longevity of this is going to be. Um, but what things are within our sphere of control what things can we begin to grapple with just for today even to get through and so presence I, th I think it really goes to very literally being present with people now in this situation of social or i prefer to say physical distancing um, because i think we want to stay socially uh, connected but physically uh distance yeah uh, how do you be with people well it's Zoom meetings and and and, and uh, text messages and phone calls, just trying to say, "Hey, I'm with you. I'm wrestling this through," and being real and raw and um, saying, you know, uh, acknowledging your own fears. If leaders try to assume the position that they're omniscient, they've got it all figured out, or they have to, um, then everyone's going to know they're just sort of faking it. Um, and it's not a fake it till you make it. It's uh, a fake it till, you know, we, we all, um, you know, sort of, it, it all breaks. But if we say, hey, I've got this piece, you've got that piece. Okay, how do we put that together for today? And then let's figure it tomorrow, tomorrow. So you've done some thinking on this for us. And you've come up with three qualities um, that, that a, a leader needs in, in a time of extended crisis. And the first one we talked about uh, just now a little bit, which is presence versus pretense. What is the danger in pretense? I think it comes down to that the emperor has no clothes. Uh, pretense is, is about pretending. It's trying to appear like you've got it all together when you don't trying to um, communicate or convey something beyond your capacities and your capabilities. And it's a, it's a form of mm -hmm. pride. It's a form of um, 
not reaching out and allowing others in to help problem solve. You know, and if you think of a ship, again, to use, if, 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 if you're taking on water, um, it doesn't do any good to say, oh, no, nothing to see here. This is fine. Uh, we have to say, oh, my goodness, you know, we just hit an iceberg and we are taking on water. We need everyone to man their stations. We need everyone to be bailing out. And we've got to figure out how do we patch this up? How do we navigate from here? Or do we need to, you know, when do we start needing to get some people in lifeboats so that we can survive this and come at it in a different way? Do you think that some of that has to do with a leader being afraid to be perceived as weak? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, none of us wants to be weak. But I, I think it also is, we feel like it's our role to be strong. It's our duty to have all the answers. And I, I just don't see leadership that way. I, I think I used to. But I think leaders are those who marshal the resources, the gifts of all of those around them. And say, hey, can you help with this? Can you help with that? You know, I remember when I was uh, mm -hmm. starting out, when I, um, you know, was was uh, launching International Justice Mission Canada, um, I, I started to assemble a board of directors and advisors. And my main call to them was to say, look, there's this there's this massive crisis around modern day slavery, human trafficking, uh, children. Uh, and adults who are being bought and sold for their labor or um, for uh, purposes of sexual exploitation. And we need the best that Canada can throw at this fight. But, um, you know, I've got a little bit of experience in working with organizations and uh, fundraising and gathering people's attention to this. But in terms of what is going to be required to engage Canadian lawyers investigators, social workers, judges, influencing parliament, um, you know, raising the order of magnitude of resources that we need to, I have no idea. I was a 28-year-old uh, who had no, you know, I didn't have a golden Rolodex, um, you know, or uh, iPhone contact list. Uh, and so I reached out to people and said, yeah. look, you are a, uh, a senior uh, banker. Uh, with one of the top five banks you know how to access the corridors of, of power i reached out to people who were influential in parliamentary circles people who were uh, had been there before in top levels of leadership with international uh, development organizations and the like and just said i need you and the cool thing about it was that because i think i was so blunt and forthright about that that need they were willing to say hey my contributions would be valued and uh, they might have an impact here sure i'll i'll join in this fight i think that's really um the strength of the leader is not to say i've got it all i've got it all figured out i'm gonna bark all the orders but to say hey i'm gonna sound the alarm and summon every resource that i can and make space for you to get involved and help us figure out a path from where we are to that desired future state where we want to get to. There's so many parallels here, even to fundraising. Organizations sometimes feel like they need to appear to the donor like they are the experts and they have it all figured out. And in doing so, there's no room for the donor to play a role in that story. I take that even deeper because I actually think that um, when you're looking at... Um, individuals as 
principally or exclusively donors, you can often miss out, organizations miss out on tapping into the um, the creativity, the the insight, the uh, intellectual capacity of um, those who could really be their partners. I think constituents say, yeah, I want to give, like, I'll give you a slice of my wallet. Like, sure, swipe my credit card, maybe do that monthly or every year I'll, I'll write a, a check uh, up to the level that I can give. But um, you might be talking to someone who knows how to uh, develop uh, info systems or knows how to create apps or knows how to create an online environment where it's um, safe and secure for kids to interact in a way that will uh, protect them from others. And that could be more critical uh, in serving the children that you're called to overseas than their $20,000 gift might be. And I think so often we don't tap into the gifts of our constituents because our organizations aren't designed for it, but more importantly, because I don't think we often have the vision to see that and to architect things in such a way. And the way that, that we get there, you say, is is by being present and by practicing presence versus pretense. Um, uh, I love that, Jamie. The second point, the second quality of, of a leader that can uh, lead well through extended crisis is poise versus panic. What do you mean by this? Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly natural for us when confronted with... Um, you know, massive, uh, catastrophic or cataclysmic events um, to feel like the sky is falling and that we're out of control and don't know what we're going to do, but we've got to do something. And then sort of run off uh, madly in all directions. Um, rather than trying to say, okay, yes, there is a need for urgency, um, but there's a need for clarity. And trying to understand how much time do we have to make the next decision? How much um, time or resources do we have to architect the transition to the next? And for some situations, yes, it's, it's a, it's a four alarm fire and you've got to, you know, get into gear very quickly. And hopefully if you've practiced certain um, um, approaches and you've got certain procedures in place, then you can, yeah, pull out that playbook and execute. But when it's a crisis of either unprecedented scope or scale um, or one that's just outside of, you know, it's kind of a wave that comes over the side of your ship that you just were not expecting those black swan type events. Um, I think we have to say, hold on a second. We're still here. We're still standing. Uh, yes, there are people who are being impacted. There are definitely, um, you know, some, some individuals are being taken out. Some communities are being taken out, but those of us who are, um, right here, right now, have an ability to regroup, work together, and start to say, what lies within our power for us to be able to do? Mm -hmm. I think that that sense of, of poise or composure 
um, you know, comes from a place of, for me, it's partly a place of, of faith, not presumption, but faith that there must be a reason I'm finding myself in this particular set of circumstances, uh, not because I am, you know, the savior, but because I have something to contribute and all of these people around have mm -hmm. something to contribute. Let's keep our heads about us. Let's keep our wits about us. Let's begin to assemble the resources we need to get from where we are today through to the next day and the next week and begin to architect a plan that will take us, uh, you know, take us, take us forward. How can a leader stay hopeful through this and, and strike a tone of positivity for their team without downplaying what is happening in the world? So how can a leader provide, you know, a sense of purpose and, and mission so that staff can start to switch their attention from, you know, what's the purpose of all of this doom and gloom to what is my purpose in the midst of all this doom and gloom? Yeah, I think some of this goes to perspective. And maybe I'll, I'll be shifting back and forth here between perspective and poise, because I think those things uh, naturally interact with one another. Um, you know, the reality is the world has faced massive events. Um, you know, you could think of things like, I remember when 9-11 happened, and the only reference point that a lot of people had was Pearl Harbor happening, um, you know, or, um, you know, if we look at it now, um, for us, those of us who were around when 9-11 happened, we know that, wow, the whole world was sort of in a tailspin. Uh, then in 2008, yeah. the economic crisis, the liquidity crisis was a massive um, situation that was threatening to, to wipe us out. And it did. It wiped out a lot of people's retirement savings. It meant some people had to keep working for an extra decade or longer. It, it, it had a very, very significant impact. Um, but organizations not only got through these situations, they came out, many of them came out stronger. Those that were willing to adapt, those mm -hmm. that were um, able to understand um, that there was something of value that they still had to offer, uh, that they needed to summon the courage and uh, develop the resources to, to make a contribution. So things are uncertain right now. Things might seem scary right now, but this is not the time for fear. This is the time for you to lean into the situation, to responsibly move forward, um, but not to fear, not to panic, Take your position, step up to the plate, know that, that you were made for these times and that, that you will see this through. And that's something that your team needs in order to feel a sense of direction and a sense of security. Yeah, I would just say that um, there is a sense in which it's okay to feel the fear and then to face it. Um, because I, I think if you don't name it, uh, it lurks there and it kind of looms in the shadows. But if you begin to say, hey, yeah, I'm feeling this. Like, I'm scared. I don't know. And so you kind of take fear, you know, I, I don't want to sound silly, but you kind of take fear in hand. You kind of grab it by the throat. You kind of go, hey, we've got, you know, I'm going to be wrestling with you for a while, but I got I to gotta take hold of you before you take hold of me. And acknowledging the fear, then saying, but what do we have? So often we can say, what have we lost? But what have we left? What do we have still in our hands to do? What can we take and, and, and patch together 
uh, to take things on. Hey, just a quick note. Every two weeks, I try to bring you some of the best actionable strategies and advice you can use immediately to help you become a better marketer and fundraiser and leader. But I could use your help. If you like this show, can I ask you to rate it in Apple Podcasts and share it with your network? It helps more people just like you discover the podcast. And in return, it helps me bring on guests that we can all learn from. I would so appreciate your help and be so grateful to you. Now back to my conversation with Jamie McIntosh. The third quality uh, of a leader um, that you have identified is, and, and you've touched on this a little bit, is perspective versus myopic. What what does a myopic uh, leader look like? I think I think so much it, it comes around to what's this doing to me? What's the impact on me? And and that's okay. I mean, we need to start there with our teams. We want to say, you know, until they have a sense of assurance and reassurance that you care about them, that you're walking with them, that you're listening, that you understand that they're going to be disoriented. They're going to be disrupted. They, they're going to need time to make sense of this. They're going to have to reshape their, their patterns and their habits and their approaches and their workspaces and, and learn new things and give grace and space for that to take place and encourage them along the way. That's sort of a leader getting beyond themselves and saying, boy, I'm afraid, I don't know, what's going to happen to the organization under my watch? What's going to happen to my um, my budget or my um, plans? And to say, you know what, what's going to happen to others? I, I guess it's that uh, sense of the, uh, the Coast Guard, you know, where they talk about how um, there can be a, a, a massive storm happening and an individual in the Coast Guard can be like, I've got to go out because there, there are ships out there where people are, are um, going down. And it's not imperative that I return, but it is imperative that I go out. We see it with the courage of, of healthcare workers who may not have the personal protective equipment, who may not have sufficient resources, who are putting themselves in harm's way. We want to do this responsibly. We want to resource them, but they're still willing to step in the breach and work these long hours and expose themselves to, to these things. I've seen that through um, many of the relief and development situations where um, people that I've been privileged to work alongside will step into um, you know, the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, the Ebola crisis, whether it's national staff themselves or whether it's uh, international uh, medical practitioners going in to put themselves in harm's way to try and help other people. I think that perspective of I may have it bad, but there's probably someone who's ha has it worse. I may be totally disoriented and disrupted by what's happening to me right now. But look at the number of people who've lived through and weathered through uh, massive uh, events, personal tragedies, and have risen up through it. Imagine, you know, people who have gone through eras before us who have, have fought battles that paved the way for us to be able to enjoy the, the, the freedoms that we have. Um, so how do we, how do we have a perspective that it's not dismissive of oneself and the impact on oneself. It acknowledges it, it embraces it, but it's, it, it, it looks 
beyond that. Bringing it into a very practical perspective, I've, I've heard from, from a few people, friends in the nonprofit space in the last two weeks who are not getting from their leader what they need. So they're working from home. The isolation is starting to feel real. They're just not getting enough support from, from their boss. Um, some of them are trying to homeschool their kids while also taking care of elderly parents. Um, and they're realizing that, you know what, a lot of the, the informal conversations that we had around the water cooler or just people dropping by each other's desks, I'm kind of missing that. That turns out was a huge part of knowing where we're going as an organization beyond just the formal meetings and the phone calls. And they're not getting that anymore. And they're not also getting the support from their leader who maybe doesn't understand what's happening um, while they're isolated at home trying to juggle all these different demands. What would you say to those leaders who, who are managing remote teams right now? What is a way that they can best support them? Yeah, you know, I, I think I would kind of want to say across the board, let's let's try and give grace and space for everyone else in the midst of this. And so if you are someone who is in a situation where your leader is acting like that, they may they may just be trying to figure this out. They may not know. They may not realize the pressures or the value of communicating. They may have a sense that, well, if I don't have any a clear plan of action, anything I share is just going to be met with more questions and that's going to overwhelm me. How do I do that? And that's going to make people more disoriented. Um, so, but communicating to them or to your own manager who maybe communicates it on upward that, Hey, you know what? I know, but I just need someone to talk to someone to kind of, you know, process some of these realities with someone who can say to me, it's okay that your child, you know, uh, comes in and, and, and starts screaming in the midst of the Zoom call. Um, you know, if we, we're, we're all trying to figure out, like, we talk about work-life balance. Well, my goodness, most people who have to start taking their work into their homes, and it's often not just one individual. It might be, you know, you've got the, the mom and the dad and the kids who now are having to do school from home. You've got four or five people vying over a couple of computers and one internet connection that is wonky at the best of times, you know, the cat, the dog and the cat, like all of this stuff is happening. People are still getting, you know, dealing with the pressures of, of how am I, am I going to get enough t toilet paper? How am I going to get out there to make sure this happens? Boy, I, all of my routines are gone. Like if that's, I think that's where it comes back to the presence piece where we kind of go, Hey, look, we're, We're all trying to figure this out. Let's create space here. Here's what we know. Communicate what you know organizationally. Communicate what you know globally. Mm -hmm. Communicate what you know right here and right now. And, uh, and, and communicate what you don't know. And say, but here's what we're working on, and we will update you as that information is available. But also communicate when you don't know. Just, right. you know, reaching out and saying, how are you? How, how are you wrestling through this? Hey, look, I know that your mom is sick and she's at home. Maybe she's medically fragile. How are, how are you holding up under this? Do you have access to your, um, you know, your employee assistance program? Do you have access to the, to, to the counseling resources that you need? Do you know where to log in for that? Um, do you, you know, right. do you know that like maybe you can take 
um, a little bit of, of the leave provisions that the organization has or the government is providing. How can you look after yourself? I think actually, uh, Mike, in this season, one of the big things is that everyone's looking at how do we react right now? Um, you know, in the month or two that this is all breaking out upon us. But I actually think that a lot of this is going to be about how do we um, run not just a marathon, but run sort of a relay race where one leader hands off yeah. to another, to another, to another. We spell each other off at all altitudes of the organization. What you said is right. We're all leaders and we need to rely on one another. We also need to empower one another as best we can in real time with as much information that we can provide um, that, you know, that equips people to do what it is that they are able to do. And when we don't know, we say we don't know, but we're trying to figure it out. If you have any ideas, you know, bring them forward. Jamie, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us today. Before we let you go, we ask every guest on this show for a word of encouragement for, for all the leaders, the marketers, the fundraisers who are working day in and day out to build good in our communities and our world. Well, what I'd, I guess what I'd like to say is, look, this is hard. We're in, a, we're in a very tough, disorienting season, and it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be feeling it. It's okay to be feeling underwater. It's okay to be really challenged and confused and say, I don't know how we're going to make it through. But then I think that there's a sense in which we need to look to one another. We need to look to why did we get in this in the first place? We need to look to say, you know, I, I think I'm meant for something in this moment, something in this season. And if I just step up and step out and step into the gifts that I've been given mm -hmm. and use whatever I'm finding around me with all I've got to throw out this fight, and if I'm looking after the person next to me, maybe that the person who reports to me and trying to say, hey, what's my boss wrestling through? We can not only bring about healthier organizations, but I think that we can partner together in new ways with other uh, what peer organizations that sometimes we see as the competition. And we can find new ways to serve, uh, serve humanity together. So many of you are in critical, critical areas, whether you're helping the homeless, whether you're working in a, uh, a food bank, whether you're working with someone who has uh, physical uh, challenges, whether you're working to provide medical attention and care, uh, education, whether you're at the front lines uh, in the field or whether you're the front lines of fundraising, whether you're in the back end working on the IT and infrastructure to keep our technology going, to keep our communications flowing, we're all in this together. We're gonna come out of this stronger It may look very different. Your role may look very different. You may end up with a different organization doing something radically different. But you know what? You'll come out of this stronger. And the contribution that you make will be principally through the relationships and how you treat people in this season. And then on top of that will be the gifts, the skills, the ideas that you contribute that unlock the resources to help get the job done.
Jamie, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for the work that you do at Compassion to keep some of the world's most vulnerable children safe. Uh, I wish you and your team a lot of wisdom as you navigate uh, the uncertainty of the coming months. And uh, thanks again for, for hanging out with us today. Thanks, Mike. I hope some of it was helpful. And uh, if anyone just wants to chat uh, how to figure some of this stuff out, uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or uh, LinkedIn. And I'd love to chat and support uh, you as you try and figure it out and tap your brain to figure out how I can make it through as well. Well, that's all for today. I hope you come away from this conversation encouraged. And just to give you a recap, the three key ideas that, that I took away from the chat with Jamie were number one, presence versus pretense. This is not the time to fake it till you make it. The way to earn your team's confidence is not to pretend you have it all figured out. Instead, be honest about your own fears and be vulnerable about what you know and what you don't know. Number two is finding perspective versus being myopic. Yes, this crisis will affect you, but take a look around and see how it's affecting others. Find some perspective and be encouraged that you have a role to play that can make a difference for someone else. And lastly, number three is finding your poise versus just panicking. Try to stay calm and lead with the truth and the facts. Yes, embrace all the things that are scary and negative, but look for the places where there's opportunity and a chance to do something positive and then focus on that. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Build Good podcast brought to you by Build Good. And please remember, better days are waiting for us around the corner. So take care of yourself, wash your hands, practice physical distancing, and we'll make it to the other side of this together. I'm your host, Mike Dirksen, cheering you on as you build good in the world.